I don't know who's calling. I don't have the name on the caller ID. You, like, stop. Like, I can't take your... I'm on the phone with Zach. Stop calling. I don't... I, I will take your call after this interview. Sorry if I'm sounding Are frustrated. Okay, no, I'm not okay. okay. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Here's your host, Grant Bills. week has been incredible dating all the way back to last saturday it's been non-stop so many different things going on nba free agency was like two days ago feels like it's been a month since then so much has gone down packers camp every day somebody's talking to the media somebody's having a standout performance brewers are playing awesome they're 21 games over 500 and we've had this vikings covid drama too which is like the fun side story all of our Wisconsin sports stories. Rarely is the sequel as good as the original. Maybe think of a couple instances. Like Cheaper by the Dozen 2, I think, is better than Cheaper by the Dozen 1. But it's rare. But Kirk Cousins' press conference today was even better than Mike Zimmer's press conference on Saturday. They got this whole thing going. Oh, my God, it was awesome. It was great. He says he'll do anything. I will do anything it takes to be available, to make the playoffs, to win playoff games for my team. He says, I'll meet outside in January under the goalposts. I'll meet outside for team meetings. I'll I'll put a plexiglass bubble around myself, Kirk Cousins said. Oh, what an awesome story. Incredible. I'm just passing the time at work today reading Kirk Cousins quotes. Had a blast. I was tweeting about it. Entertained through and through by Kirk Cousins this afternoon. We also, just a couple of minutes ago, got some George Hill contract details. So why don't we start the show? I will pass that information along. And then we can get into everything else we're going to get to today, which, sorry, uh, does not include Kirk Cousins. We're not going to do that today. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I hope you've had an excellent day so far. I am I, I am so locked in. I'm so wired because I had an extra large cold brew coffee about an hour ago. Normally, I drink coffee at 11 when I get into work, and then that's it. So I kind of have the rest of the day to kind of decompress a little bit. But when I got in today, the coffee at work was gone, which is toxic, right? Like, come on. 11 a.m., there's got to be at least a little bit of coffee left in the pot. Even if it's burnt, that's fine. I'll drink it. As long as it's warm, it has caffeine. No, no coffee today. So I went about an hour ago. I feel like I could get in a fighter jet and and be up in the... I, I could do anything right now. I feel superhuman. I'm so, so jacked up. And to call out one of our callers, Thomas, who called in a couple of weeks ago and said, Hey, Grant, you got to lay off the caffeine. I will uh, keep myself composed today, Thomas, just in case you're listening and you're feeling compelled to pick up the phone and complain. I will, uh, I will keep it low and slow and calm, cool, and collected just for you. I want to start with the Brewers and the Bucks. We're going to do a little twofer, a two-for-one. Going to hear from Rowdy Telez, the hero from yesterday's game, in about 20 minutes. Hear from David Bakhtiari as well. In the second hour of the show, after 5 o'clock, we're going to hear a little bit from Jordan Love and speak with Mike Clements, first-time guest on this show. The Packers reporter for the Wisconsin Sports Zone Network. For Bill Michaels, you hear him on Ebo's show. I don't know if Dan has had him on in Eau Claire, but through all our stations and all throughout our network, Mike has been joining. He's been bringing the, the inside scoop, the reaction from training camp. He's never been on this show, so I guess that qualifies him as a first-time guest, which means we need to bring it today. Not just me. This is an us thing. This is a we thing. Everybody needs to bring it because Mike is going to hang up the phone and be like, wow, that was, that was way more fun than going on Bill's show. This great guy certainly is more fun to talk to than Ebo. First impressions are everything. So not just me, but you too. Best behavior. 608-796-2558. The talk and text line. 
and Twitter at Wisco Grant. I should let you know before we get going, just like a heads up, like a, hey, here's this type of thing. The financial numbers are out for George Hill. Not not great. It's not the end of the world, but it's not what I hoped. He's signing a two-year, $8 million deal with the Bucks. I thought they could get him on the vet minimum. I thought that was really realistic, given that he didn't really do much for Philly last year. His stock, not super high. Two years, $8 million bucks is going to use most of their taxpayer mid-level exception, which is just under $6 million. We talked about that. It's $5.9 million bucks. They could spend that all on one player, or they could break it up. Two years, four, or two years $8 million is $4 million bucks a year. So by that math, they have $1.9 million remaining of their taxpayer mid-level exception, which means maybe they do something with that, but it's not going to be anything substantial. So George Hill... Through these contract details, essentially shows us uh, that's about it. Maybe they'll add someone on the fringes, but that's about it. They don't really have other bullets to fire contractually, financially now. So that's, I just wanted to pass that along to start the show. I don't want to dwell on the George Hill contract of all things today, but because that news broke just a few minutes ago, I thought I would pass it along. The Brewers are idle today. They're not playing tonight. And other than the George Hill news and what we've already talked about with the Bucks, they're not really up to much today. It's not like they're doing sign-in trades or putting her offer sheet in on Lori Markinen or anything wild like that, we kind of have a chance to catch our breath because our two Milwaukee teams are idle. I know Aaron Rodgers did throw balls into a net at training camp today, and we'll talk about that with Mike Clemens in about an hour and a half. I think today is a good chance to talk about something, at least to start the show, that's a little bit bigger, bigger picture between the Brewers and the Bucks, our two Milwaukee teams that are killing the game at the moment. I thought today's lead could be another installment in our how to be better sports fans series. I feel like we've done this a couple of times where it's like, hey, we need we need to be smarter here. We need to do this differently. We need to watch this differently, right? I feel like every couple of weeks we have a segment that's like, hey, as sports fans, we need to be better at this so we're smarter, better fans. This is going to be another installment in that series. We'll put the DVD out you know, in a year or two. It'll be a nice comprehensive series when all is said and done. Today, I want to start by talking about how I think we can be better sports fans, especially with the Bucks and the Brewers right now. We got to stop getting so mad. We got to stop overreacting to stuff. And I'm guilty of this too. I'm especially guilty of this. But we got to pick our spots. We got to pick our moments when we really want to be up in arms about things. When you hear a, a longtime romantic couple give advice to the young kids, oh, uh, Marianne and 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 Richard have been married for seventy years. What's your what's your secret? Well, you got to pick your battles. That never go to bed angry. It's like, well, that's not helpful because everyone says that. But you always hear it, right? Pick your battles. You can't get everything you want. You got to concede sometimes. And sometimes you just got to turn the other cheek and and ignore things. Now, I can't speak to this because I'm not in a romantic relationship. But if I was in a romantic relationship, we would be perfect in every way. And we'd never fight. So I couldn't give give advice on this. Pick your battles, right? That's what you hear. Romantic advice from people who've been doing it a long time. I feel it's the same with sports. You have to pick your spots to get angry and to lose your cool. Now, luckily for us, as Wisconsin sports fans, we're guaranteed just about every year to have an NFC championship game loss. So we can just pencil in an excuse to be angry about once a year. So it's not like it's not like we're without opportunities here. The Packers kind of pick us up and, and give us a chance once a year to be really, really upset. In January, February, you just set your watch to it. The Brewers and the Bucks have both done things in the last week that... Most fans, I won't say all, but a lot of fans have lost it over. It's like, oh, this is a huge deal. This is the end of the world. This is a fireable offense. I want to die. Actually, I haven't heard any fans say that, but that's the 
the general vibe, the general sentiment. We've talked about both of these stories already, and I want to revisit them mostly because they're both very, very interesting. They're robust topics that I think include lots of little details that are interesting to talk about. But I also want to revisit these two stories from earlier this week with a slightly different approach, right? Kind of a 10,000-foot view, big perspective type of approach. Let's start with the Brewers. You know where I'm going with this. This is a manager decision thing. Nothing gets fans bent out of shape over the Brewers like a manager decision gone wrong, right? Craig Council pulled his starter who was pitching well. Oh, wah. That's how everybody sounded this week. We talked about this yesterday. Adrian Hauser is at 104 pitches. What was he supposed to do? Throw 110, 115, 120? No. It's, that's not how it works. You can't reasonably think that. There's no way that you should rationally believe that Adrian Hauser was supposed to throw 120 pitches. So quit with the denial. It wasn't going to happen. Right? 104, 105, that was on the high, high end. And as soon as Hauser ran into trouble, most predictable thing in the world. Council came to get him. All right? And don't make this about analytics. Don't make this a nerdy numbers thing. You can't manage with the spreadsheet. You got to have feel for the game. Use it 104 pitches. It's not about analytics. It's not about the nerds in the front office. It's not about the brewers' weird way of doing things. It's literally just about keeping your pitcher healthy for the postseason, for September, for October, for the finish line that the brewers have already told us. Openly, explicitly, we're thinking months down the road. We're thinking about October. We're thinking about the postseason, which is why we got two more relievers. It's why we signed Eduardo Escobar, right? The Brewers have made it abundantly clear to us. They have not minced words at all. We're planning for the postseason, all right? We got our eyes on the prize. So why would I? Why, why would any of us expect Adrian Hauser to pitch 120, 130 pitches? That makes makes no sense. This isn't hard, Right? And we talked about this yesterday. This isn't, I'm not saying anything new. Here, here's the new spin I want to put on it today. Here's what I want to ask you something to think about. Why is everyone so mad? Everyone was so mad about this yesterday. Oh my God, Craig Council blew it and the Brewers blew it and they lost to the Pirates. How could they? That's all I heard. Heard Ebo yelling about it in the morning. I heard Bill yelling about it to start his show. He was like, as a fan of baseball, it just made me mad to see Hauser pulled out of there. Callers, texters, everybody upset. They are going to win every game. That's not how sports work. The Milwaukee Brewers play 162 regular season games every year, and yet we operate like they're supposed to win every single one. I'm not happy when the Brewers lose. I would much rather see them win. But if we get upset and bent out of shape every time the Brewers lose throughout the regular season, what good is that doing? We're just going to drive ourselves nuts, and we're going to waste all this time complaining about things that in the end don't matter. I think it was Bill's show yesterday. And I'm not trying to pick on Bill. We all have different opinions. We the civil authorities have issued a child abduction emergency for all of Wisconsin beginning at 4.10 p.m. and ending at 5.10 p.m. A child abduction alert has been issued statewide for the following child. Dorian Elkison, age 2 months, male, white, 1 foot 11 inches 9 pounds, brown hair, blue eyes. The child was last seen at George Road and Bronson Road, Wisconsin Rapids and is missing from Wisconsin Rapids. WI law enforcement authorities believe the child may be in the company of Haley Ann Pelt, age 28, female, white, 5 feet 1 inch 120 pounds, brown hair, hazel eyes, flower tattoo on left side of ribs is the word hails tattooed on neck, tribal rose on the go, unknown side, two hearts on back. They may be traveling in a 
2002 silver Toyota Camry sedan with black front bumper WI license plate AHY 5345. If you have any information on the whereabouts of Dorian Ogeson, please contact Wisconsin Rapids Police Department at 715-421-8701. Right? Not every loss deserves somebody to be fired. Doesn't mean somebody failed to do their job. It just means they lost. And losses happen. Plus, it's not the worst thing in the world for the Brewers to lose one here and there because I don't really want them to be the one seed. I'd rather they're the two seed so they avoid playing whatever wild card team comes out of the NOS, the Padres or the Dodgers at this point, it looks like. It's not the end of the world. Take a deep breath. Calm down. So that's our Brewers story of the week. What about the Bucks? They let P.J. Tucker go. And everybody's reaction was, those billionaire owners, they don't want to pay for players. They're cheap. How could they? They don't want to dip into the luxury jack. I swear to God, these billionaires. <laughs> Firstly, they're already in the luxury tax. And that came to be when the Bucks won the championship because part of Drew Holiday's contract had a kicker. Hey, if we win a title, you get this bonus. And it was through that bonus that the Bucks were kicked into the salary cap and, and into the luxury tax. They're already paying the luxury tax. Now, If they retained P.J. Tucker, they would have been further into the luxury tax, sure. But it's not like this Bucs team has showed us repeatedly that they're refusing to spend and refusing to to win. You just want a title. And everybody's mad. All those billionaire owners, how could they let a 36-year-old P.J. Tucker go? P.J. Tucker, who's 36 and doesn't do anything offensively. He doesn't pass. He doesn't handle. He doesn't really shoot. He doesn't really create. Sure, he gets offensive rebounds, but so does Dante. And Dante's coming back. And the Miami Heat gave him two years, $50 million. Yeah, go to town. Have a great time with that, Pat Riley. Good job. I mean, you rode out the, the rope with Andre Iguodala and Trevor Ariza, who were corpses of themselves last year. Why not add another one in, in P.J. Tucker? Now, if you want to be upset at the Bucks because they owned the bird rights to P.J. Tucker, and therefore that salary is useful to the Bucks and only the Bucks, and that's not money they can allocate anywhere else, okay, oh, okay, okay, you got me there. But the Bucs just want a title. I'm not opposed to a slight reset. And of all of the players to pass on, on salary, even with bird rights, a 36-year-old P.J. Tucker is pretty good. And yeah, you could have used his salary to match in a trade, but nobody's trading for just P.J. Tucker. So that means you have to trade somebody else. Nobody wants Dante because Dante needs a contract extension and he's coming off an injury. You don't want to trade Chris. You don't want to trade Brooke or Giannis or Drew. Okay, so what are we talking about? It's not that big of a deal. And, and this is why... I want to tell Bucks fans to relax about P.J. Tucker leaving a little bit. Now, the finances, that's something else. And if you want to talk about what makes good business sense and whether or not billionaires should be compelled to spend in the luxury tax, that's a separate conversation. And I think a lot, a lot more of you care less about that. I don't know that a lot of you want to have a salary cap conversation. How about an X's and O's conversation about the Bucks trying to repeat? P.J. Tucker helped the Bucks win the title last year. That team took a very specific path and won some of these series in a very specific way. And trying to recreate that exact same team would be stupid. Because if the Bucks get back to the NBA Finals this season, which they won't be favored to, assuming everyone's healthy in the East, their path will look different. They will play different teams and different versions of the teams they've already seen. And they will deal with different challenges and a different schedule. And everything will be different. 2022 will be a very different season than 2021. So trying to clone the 2021 season to repeat in 2022 would be stupid. 
they were able to win with P.J. Tucker in the postseason last year because three of the four teams they played in the Eastern Conference playoffs were very limited offensively for whatever reason. All three were. Miami was just a bad offensive team. Brooklyn was missing two of their best scorers, and Atlanta was just over their skis, right? They advanced past Philly because Philly was a, a bad matchup, very similar to what the Bucks dealt with last year, and they just weren't as good. And then Trey Young got banged up. So they could survive with P.J. Tucker on the floor. And then Phoenix is not the best. It's not an offensive juggernaut, not the Golden State Warriors. Dante DiVincenzo is going to be back next year, which is minutes that you don't have to use P.J. Tucker in. It's really stupid when a GM gets obsessed with trying to perfect one team or build to only beat one team. That's when you get lost. I'm okay with them letting P.J. Tucker go for financial reasons, even though they possessed his bird rights, as we talked about the other day. Because I think it makes good basketball sense, too. Next year will be a new year. And one small decision based on a 36-year-old P.J. Tucker in August will probably not play that big of a role come April when the postseason starts next year in 2022. Let's take a break. I want to talk more about the Brewers. Talk a little bit about Rowdy Telez, who is the hero yesterday, a big three-run bomb. We'll talk to, with uh, Mike Clemens in an hour, and we'll hear from David Bakhtiari at 435. A lot of hearing from players and people. Today's show is going to be really fun. More of the Wisco Sports Show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. And Telez in the air, right field. He is watching. Park is back. Goodbye. Rowdy Telez. Three run blast. Brewers take the lead. Rowdy freaking Telez. Imagine being a fan of not the Brewers, like a fan of the Pirates or the Cubs, Reds, Cardinals, and you got to look at box scores every day. Think of earlier this year. Billy McKinney? Really? Jace Peterson? Oh, of course. Rowdy Telez. Of course. This Brewers team just has a touch. Finding guys that can help contribute. They've played some, like, insane number of players this year, like 50-some, a franchise record of players who have appeared in games for them. They just have a certain touch. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Going to do Packers in about 10 minutes. Hear from David Bakhtiari. He talked forever the other day, and he didn't really give us any insight into when he might be back from his knee injury. But the part of his interview that I just found fascinating was talking about Elton Jenkins, moving from one spot to the next on the offensive line, and how... The, the unique individual positions communicate with each other and how they learn from each other and can make each other better. I thought it was really interesting. And I want to share that part of the interview with you coming up. I, like, he was asked, hey, do you think you'll be back here? And if you're not 100%, do you think you'll play? A lot of that is just press conference speak. But I, it was very interesting to hear him, especially talk about Alton Jenkins. So that's the part I want to share with you coming up in about 10 minutes. Mike Clements, live from training camp and live from Lambeau Field in an hour. I thought we just have some Rowdy Telez appreciation because why not? He hit the go-ahead three-run bomb yesterday. And as he's rounding the bases, all I could think about was Bobby Portis. Not just because American Family Field was chanting Rowdy, Rowdy, like Pfizer Forum chanted Bobby Portis' name, Bobby, Bobby. Just that guy who was added into the mix as kind of a side piece, a tertiary piece, and then slowly but surely has made play after play after play. To the point where he's a contributor, yes, and he has big plays and big moments, but adds a little juice, too. Has a little bit of that underdog personality and mentality where fans just kind of learn to love and appreciate him more than a player that's 
maybe more central to the roster. We talked about Rowdy Telez's improvements yesterday, some statistical jumps, which these aren't 100% accurate because these don't factor in yesterday's stats. He had a home run and won at bat yesterday, which I don't know that that makes a huge difference statistically, but his batting average has taken a huge jump. Before Milwaukee, 209, now 327. On base, went from 272 to 414. His OPS was 610, now it's over 1,000. The stat that jumps out to me mostly is his in-zone swing percentage. Before becoming a Brewer, 68% of the time he was stringing at strikes. Since, he's swinging 77% of the time. And I think that's being more comfortable, being more relaxed, because he has more opportunities. He's not pressing as much. And Craig Council talked about that after the game yesterday. Well, he really has. When Vogelbach went down, Jace did a great job for a little while there. But, you know, I think Rowdy's presence was as a power presence in the lineup is something that's it's impactful. And, you know, we felt it today. We felt in the White Sox series, changing games with one swing of the bat, you know, is something that's every, every team wants and is looking for, for sure. So he's playing great. He's gotten a good, good opportunity. And he's making the most of it. I think the more at-bats you have, the more pitches you can see, the more comfortable you can get, right? That, that makes sense. It becomes easier to hit the more balls you see, like the more quantity you get. It's just easier to kind of get in a groove. But I also think there's a mental side. And maybe this maybe this doesn't play into it. I'm, I'm talking as a fan, as somebody who watches. I've never played baseball, certainly not in the major leagues. But I think when you have three at-bats a day instead of one every three days as a pinch hitter, right, you're a little bit more free swinging. You're not pressing as much. You're not worried about, oh, if I swing at this pitch and I miss, okay, well, that's one of three strikes I'm going to get today because I'm not going to get another at-bat. I'm pinch hitting. Where if you know you have a couple of for sure at-bats every day, you're going to be more aggressive and you're going to swing at the pitches in the zone. It's going to be a little bit more free-flowing. Rowdy Telez talked about more opportunities, more at-bats, and how that's changed his game since he's gotten to the Brewers, to Milwaukee. Uh, I get to play. It's tough to drive in runs when you don't play. And I didn't play very well in the time that I did. You know, it's a little different when you don't get to play every week. You know, and, and pinch hitting, like I said, is tough. So just the ability to get to play every day, you kind of get in a groove. You get in a rhythm, you get comfortable. And to have the support of everybody uh, around you, teammates, staff, fans, you know, everybody, it's, it's one of those things where it's like keeps that confidence high. He really seems to like Milwaukee. This is the part of his press conference yesterday that just didn't surprise me. Made me smile. He's not the only player who seems to come to Milwaukee and fit in immediately and like it immediately. And I don't think it's just the air. I don't think it's the water in Milwaukee. I think it's the players in the organization, the coaches in the front office, and how they handle players when they first get there. And he talks about how he was welcomed to, to the Brewers when he first came over from Toronto. I think the first thing that I noticed was I got traded, and as I was on the phone with the GM, Brent Suter texted me. And it was just like, hey, welcome to the team. If you need anything, let me know. Guys were texting me, and I was like, okay, I'm, I'm wanted here. I'm welcomed here. Got into the clubhouse early when we were in New York. Murph made some jokes, and I was like, you know, this is, this is like home. Like, this is like I'd been here for a while. Everybody just opened arms, and I came in, and it was really easy transition, especially for me. Drafted in 2013 with the Jays, never been anywhere else. You know, being traded is tough, but when you get to an organization and a team that treats you this well and is talking to you all every step of the way, and it was like I'd been here for years. So it's awesome here. So listen to that. And then consider that Max Scherzer demanded to go somewhere with warm weather in August. What a dumbass. Trade me somewhere where it's warm. You idiot, it's August 2nd. Everywhere's warm. This isn't a Russian baseball league. God, it's, sometimes it drives me nuts. I get it. Maybe it's a big market thing. I don't want to play in Milwaukee. Send me to L.A., San Diego, to New York. Maybe it's an ego thing. Maybe I, I don't know. 
but we have a couple of years of evidence now of players getting to Milwaukee and immediately becoming the best version of themselves. And then Max Scherzer, who assumedly wants to compete for a World Series and wants to play like the best version of himself, he's like, ah, trade me some more warm. What are you talking about? It's August. Trade me some more warm. Get out of here. Former logger apparently has no love for the state. Kind of toxic. Something I do actually hate to see. It's sad. Hurts my feelings. Talks a little bit more about Milwaukee and why he's so happy to be here. Rowdy Telez. It's so cool. When coming here, um, it's just been kind of a blessing. You know, I, I've always wanted to to be somewhere where it's, you know, everybody wants to be somewhere where they can hear their name chanted and, and be wanted. And uh, and it's it's just great. Fans are awesome here. They're loyal. You know, I couldn't ask for a better environment to be in. The warm weather, though, it's not warm enough. 80 degrees on average every day. It's not. Nope. Nope. Trade me somewhere where the weather is warm. Can I be, before we wrap up, can I be kind of dramatic? I want to throw it back to a take that I had before the season started or as the season was starting. I brought this up, and then I I posed this to a couple of guests, too. Is this the golden age of Brewers baseball? Is this the best stretch in franchise history? You can reference the early 80s. You could reference, like, 2008 to 2011. If the Brewers keep this going, and maybe you don't agree, maybe you don't think this is the golden age of Brewers baseball, but let's say they keep this going for three more years, and they have the six- or seven-year run of organizational excellence, good contracts, everybody who comes to Milwaukee becomes the best version of themselves. That's how you sustain. That's how you attract players like Colton Wong or Jackie Bradley Jr., who maybe aren't getting the the perfect contract for the perfect team that they want, so they say, you know what? I'm going to go to Milwaukee, and I'm going to kill it because everyone who goes there kills it, and they know what they're doing, and it's a great environment. He says, I'm on the phone with the GM, and I'm getting texts from Brent Suter. Not a boy, Brent Suter, by the way. He knows his role on the team. Yeah, he eats some innings as a left-handed reliever, especially right now with everyone having COVID. But, and you're a hype man, too. You do text Rowdy Telez welcome when he gets traded over. It's his role. Seven, uh, or 608-796-2558. Excuse me. Coach Wench asks, what if Hauser had a $100,000 contract incentive for a no-hitter? I, I, I don't know. It'd be a really dumb incentive. Mad Mike texts in and says, I'm a casual sports fan. Oh, Mike, give yourself some credit. Come on. He says, so what is defensive indifference? I thought I heard it during the Brewer game. Defensive indifference is when, like, in the ninth inning, a team is up two runs and there's a runner on first, and he goes to steal second, and the team just lets him. They don't care. That doesn't count as a steal. That counts as defensive indifference because that run doesn't matter. Like, if the Brewers are up three and there's two outs in the top of the ninth and Hader is pitching— Somebody's on first, and he tries to steal second. Who cares? That run doesn't matter. So the Brewers let him go. That's defensive indifference. And it, and it makes you feel really You say, oh, that's not a steal. I, uh, defensive indifference. Right? You pull that out of your back pocket. So that's a, a good trick at parties. Everyone loves that guy at a party, Mike. So pull that out sometime, please. Uh, that's one sports question I can answer. Normally, rule book, salary cap stuff, not my strong suit, but that is something I know. Defensive indifference, you just let them steal because they're run or they're runner. doesn't matter. Let's take a break. I want to get into the Packers. Here's some really interesting stuff from David Bakhtiari about the state of the Packers' offensive line. I feel like I learned a lot from Bakhtiari, and I'm excited to share that with you. Coming up next, Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Thanks for being here. Thanks for hanging out. About to get into the Packers, and we're going to do even more Packers coming up in an hour. Mike Clements, 
Packers insider and embedded reporter for the Wisconsin Sports Network is going to join us at 535. Jordan Love spoke to the media today. So did Kirk Benkert. I think Rodgers was yesterday, so I don't think he spoke today. And if he did, I missed it. And it was probably very redundant because I know he talked earlier this week. So we'll probably hear for a combination of all of those guys and some reactions and perceptions from Mike Clements, our reporter. That's at 535. I want to talk a little bit about Aaron Rodgers in about 15 minutes. And right now, I want to hear from David Bakhtiari because his press conference was educational, which is something I don't normally say. I don't normally watch press conferences to learn about the game or to be schooled. I feel like David Bakhtiari was doing a little bit of schooling the other day when he spoke to the media. So we're going to hear from him in a minute. If you want to text in, be part of the conversation, you can. 608-796-2558, the talk and text line. You can follow and tweet me at Wisco Grant as well. William, I'm so sorry. I forgot to read this tweet. I know you sent it in at probably like 4.15. He says, hey, the same people who were mad about Hauser being pulled were the same people who wanted Coach Bud fired for a loss in February. That's what I'm saying. We got to pick our battles with when we get angry about our sports teams. A Tuesday night loss albeit a clunky loss and maybe an avoidable loss to the Pirates. Probably not a battle that that we want to pick and that we want to get into. Yeah, the Bucks let P.J. Tucker go, and the Heat signed him for $7 bucks a year, two over two years, $14 million, right? Good for them. Have fun. He's 36, and he can't do anything. He'll fit in with all of your other players you can't shoot, like Bam Adebayo and, and Jimmy Butler. It'll be great, so have, have fun with that. Have a good time. I'm not going to lose my mind that the Bucks let him walk. Now, if you want to argue about the salary cap, and how they had his bird rights, and how that's money they could only use on him, and they could have used it for for trade collateral or whatever. Oh, okay, well, that's a, that's a different thing. But X's and O's wise, and repeating to win a championship, P.J. Tucker was not going to help them. Next year will be different than last year. So trying to rebuild last year's team to win next year, that just doesn't, nah, not about it. So thank you, William. I appreciate that tweet, at Wisco Grant. The other day, we listened to Mercedes Lewis a little bit. Today, I thought we'd do David Bakhtiari. Um, very full of wisdom. He's a different kind of dude. He's funny, and you can tell that having a sense of humor and keeping things light is important to him, but he delivers himself in a really, really serious way, and that combination can rub strangers the wrong way. I feel like at times I operate that way, and it lands poorly with some people where you're kidding, but you do it with a straight face, and you're really sarcastic, and you just kind of come across like a jerk. And I think we've heard stories of Dave Bakhtiari early in his career. Reporters are like, yeah, that, that man used to be a jerk. Well, if you don't know somebody with that type of sense of humor, they can really rub you the wrong way, which is something that I have to remind myself and check myself all the time. Let's start with this. I found this to be an interesting question and premise. What has David Bakhtiari learned about himself during this rehab process since tearing his ACL last December? Oh, I mean, yeah, I really, really like football. It's almost like when you take something away, you don't realize how much you enjoy it. I mean, it is a grind. Uh, but being away, I'm like really getting itching to get back out there. I don't like seeing other people do my job. I know there's this road I have to go down, and it's a long road, and I don't like it, but the only way to get to where I want to be is I got to go down that road. So I'm currently down it right now, so we'll see where when it ends. I love the sentiment, I don't like other people doing my job. I don't like watching that. Hell yeah. I love that. I don't like other people doing my job anyways. That being said, I'm going to be on vacation next week. Dave Carney will be, will be filling in. Host of the WKT5 Morning Show. So I am going to have to put up with somebody doing my job next week. That's not an anti-Dave thing, right? But if you're a left tackle for the Green Bay Packers drafted in the fourth round, that's a position you earn. Earned and you fought and you got better and you earned. I don't want anybody else doing that, right? I've done this show for a couple of years. 
like to think I get a little better every day. We add new guests all the time. I think the show gets better every day. I don't, I don't want to watch or listen to somebody else do my show. Now, got to take vacation, right? Football and radio are a little bit different in, in that regard. I think we underappreciate what these players go through when they get injured as well. Like, oh, he blew out his knee. I guess go through the rehab. You'd be back in a year. Well, think about it in your dreams. Like, well, what do you do for a living? It's a big part of your identity. Big part of my identity, for right or wrong, is, is doing the show. Talking every day. And if I couldn't talk, if I had my voice taken away, then I kind of can't be me anymore. And that's what these players go through. And I feel like we treat it like a transaction. Oh, he's on the IL. He'll be back in nine months, whatever. That's got to be difficult. He's a football player. That's how he makes his living. That's his identity. And I can't do that anymore. And I think we underappreciate how much of a struggle that could sometimes be. And maybe that's something, as we move forward, players are a little bit more open talking about the mental health side of things and, and the personal side of sports. I think mental health sometimes is used as a blanket statement. Mental health, not always the right term, just the personal side, the human being side, right? Well, I blew my knee out. Yes, it's a transaction. I go on the injured list. I'm out for nine months and then I'll be back. But there's a personal journey in there too. It's not just hitting the weights once a day and eventually coming back. There's a personal reckoning to be had when you can't do your job for nine or 10 months. And I thought Bakhtiari, although briefly and rather seriously, kind of gave us a look into that. He also was asked about Elton Jenkins, who is now the guy doing his job, right? So he has to watch Elton Jenkins do his job. What does he think about that? And what does he think about Elton? I really have a lot of respect for Elton. Um, I think he's a great player. Uh, I think he has even more to give, more than I think he even knows. And I've told him this, and I'll tell you guys it. My goal is to make sure he can get, he can become the best Elton Jenkins he can be. Um, and I think it kind of shows his versatility, and not only that, but the level of play he can do along the line is something very unique and special. Uh, and he's a uh, he's a special player, and I think the more that he continues to be the best Elton he can be, um, it could be something uh, special. So every day I just kind of. Add little tidbits. We have conversations. He'll ask me. Um, I'll even just kind of interject, knowing how our you know relationship has been. Because even at guard, I kind of just kind of tell him certain things I knew to help speed him up, so he doesn't have to wait the six weeks till you experience it. Like, yo, you're probably gonna experience this, so I want you to attack it. Giving him ideas now how to tackle. It's nice because um, when there is an issue, I'm like, see, this is why I don't like you when you do this. So this is a little you know taste of your own medicine. So now, when you, if we do ever get back to where. I'm at tackle and you're at guard. If that's what the future is, now you, maybe you can help me out a little bit. But uh, it, it's been great. I mean, he's he's a awesome player, um, great person in the offensive line room, great person in the locker room. Um, and I think one thing that kind of goes unnoticed with him is also his his attitude. Uh, he's he's a dog, straight up. High praise for Alan Jenkins. He's so calculated with how he praises teammates. He doesn't just throw it out there to throw it out there. It's very specific and very calculated. I thought it was fascinating how he said that Elton Jenkins can become a better tackle or a better guard, rather, by playing tackle, right? He can be better as an inside offensive lineman by experiencing the outside, right? If, if he's played tackle, now he understands how a left tackle thinks and what they're looking for and what they need for help. So when he goes back into guard, he's a better version of himself now. And I've experienced that in, in my work. If, if you've done multiple roles and you've done different things, I, I think it's really helpful. I can speak to live sports broadcasts. So on our lacrosse station, WKTY, we carry a lot of high school basketball, football games. And I've gone out and done games, but I've also been the guy in the studio pushing buttons. 
And I think doing both ends makes me better at it. Because if I'm out at a game, I know what I want to hear in my headphones, right? I want to be able to hear the commercials. I want to know, all right, how much is left in this break? What do we got going on? Right, talk to me. So then if I go out and do a game and I experience that, well, then when I'm producing back in the studio, now I'm a better producer because I've been on the other end of that headset and I know what what needs to be in the ears, what needs to not be in the ears, right, and vice versa, right? Going out and and, and doing a game in the studio helps me be a better broadcaster too. And I'm like, okay, if I'm going to take a break, I got to give the, the the person in studio an extra second to get lined up because they, you know, they need extra time or whatever, which is something that I've experienced. So if there is a, a role or a job in your place of work that requires two people, doing both roles makes you better at each one because you have a broader understanding, a bigger perspective of everything that goes into it, like playing offensive line. One more David Bakhtiari cut, and then we'll take a break. We'll come back to this after, after this next commercial break. Where does Elton Jenkins rank as a left tackle in the NFL right now, which I found to be an interesting question, and Bakhtiari's answer, no doubt, is always interesting as well. I got to see more of him play, to be honest. Um, I think that's fairness of Elton, and that's fairness of the other guys in the league. But uh, like I said, I think he's a really good player. I think he um, does an exceptional job being able to rotate at different positions and not only adjust his feet, but the type of game you have to play based on position um, is something that's very unique in that he can do and do it at a high level, which is very uh, uncommon. I mean, stuff like you've heard even Brian say, even just switching from left to right tackle, it's like eating with your left hand if you're right-handed. Riding with your left hand, things are everything's flipped, everything's backwards, even your body mechanically. Certain muscles get, get developed. So, I think something unique, uh, something I, I don't think that that's fair to answer right now. But um, maybe I don't know if it does happen. Maybe he's playing a left tackle. You can come ask me that then, and I'll have a better idea. It's really funny to me. And this I think speaks to the type of personality that David Bakhtiari is. It's kind of a fun question. Like no reporter is expecting him to say, "Well, he's." Worse than these players, but better than these players. Right? But that's how Bakhtiari hears it. He's like, well, I need to see more before I can give you an accurate ranking. Which I find that funny. It's like, he's so serious, but yet he's funny, too. David Bakhtiari is like two personalities in one, and that presents itself, especially in press conferences like this, presents itself in such interesting ways, and it's kind of fun to listen to. We'll talk more about guard, tackle, the relationship between the two, and... Bakhtiari even speaks to how Josh Myers, the Packers rookie center, is looking too. He's probably going to be their week one starter. So that's good information for us to have as well. More David Bakhtiari coming up next here on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yeah. Sports show back into the Brewers, back into the Bucks a little bit in a few minutes after five o'clock. Mike Clements, our embedded green and gold reporter, live. David Bakhtiari, just a little bit. I found his press conference to be really informational about the relationship between guard and tackle and him and Elton Jenkins and how good Elton Jenkins is, but how he needs to get better too, which Bakhtiari is very clear about. And he, he's not a BSer. He doesn't blow smoke at all. He's very straightforward. He's such an interesting character. I like listening to him. My name is Grant Bills. Twitter at Wisco Grant. The talk and text line 608-796-2558. Big Joe, thank you for the tweet, Big Joe. Hope you're doing well. I always appreciate a tweet from you during the show. Let's get back into David Bakhtiari. We were talking a little bit 
about Elton Jenkins and how he ranks as a left tackle. Well, I guess Bakhtiari was. We weren't. We were listening to him talk about that. He said, I need more information, which is a fair answer. We haven't even seen him play left tackle in a game yet. He was also asked how common it is for somebody to move from guard to tackle and succeed. Elton Jenkins has been so good wherever they put him, we just assume that, oh, of course, you just move him around. It's not that hard. Bakhtiari says it's not that simple. Definitely not very common. I think there's only a handful of guys that can do that, and I think he's part of that handful. And then um, what it takes for him, one, being a football player and understanding the game. Two, his arm length um, gives him an advantage. But I think the most important thing, which I firmly believe in, is your feet. Your feet win the block, your hands complement. He's got really good feet, very quick feet. So, um, And that's something that we've even talked about for him. You know, timing up snap counts and cadences have been huge. It's helped him have success out on the edge. And then also just, you know, utilizing that feet. But just know that, hey, you're going to have to move him a little bit more, a little bit further. Um, but once you get to the spot, you can kind of turn into guard, and then you can be successful. So I think that's what's helped him um, do such a good job so early on. I mean, that's certainly praise for Elton Jenkins. Bakhtiari saying, well, really, nobody at all moves from guard to tackle and succeeds. It's not common at all. It reminded me of Craig Council talking about Eduardo Escobar moving to first. And he's like, look, he's a, he's a baseball player. Not like we're asking him to play tennis here. He owns a glove. He owns some cleats. He'll figure it out, okay? Because Eduardo Escobar is not just a baseball player. He's a very good baseball player. And Elton Jenkins has proven not only to be a really, really good football player, but a versatile one as well. Be like if you put Eduardo Escobar and Hernan Perez together type of thing in the prototype of an offensive lineman. That's what he's shown to be. So if anybody's up for the task, I think Elton Jenkins, no surprise that he's handled it okay. He was also asked, David Bakhtiari, about rookie Josh Myers, Packers' new center, and how he looks. I think he's attacking it the right way. Uh, I think he's got the good makeup. He's a, he's a big man. I remember early on when he first walked in, I was like, what's your deal? You're either a terrible athlete or a bad football player because why are you playing center being six foot five? And he kind of proved me wrong on both. Uh, he, I, think, I think he's got a, a good makeup to be a good football player for a long time. Um, I want to see what he can do how he responds to adversity. I think that's really important. But uh, I, he's approached it, approached it the right way. Um, he's really taken on the playbook. Uh, he's, you know, gone out of his way to ask veterans questions, making sure he's doing everything the right way, not only on the football field but off the football field. And I think that's uh, setting yourself up for success. So, though I will not say he's my favorite center from Ohio State, um, he's off to a good start. Why does everything have to be a backhanded compliment? His approach is good. We'll see if he turns into a good player. Yeah, he's 6'5". I don't know why he's playing center. I figured he's just a garbage athlete, but I guess he's looking okay. Very odd guy, David Bakhtiari. Very interesting to listen to him. Try to figure him out. Finally, last cut. I found this to be an interesting subject. David Bakhtiari transitioning into a teaching role while he rehabs. What's that been like? How has that gone? I've always tried to give everyone as much knowledge as I can. I think this is really testing me on my ability to articulate myself because I am a more of a visual learner and I like to show people when I really can't show anyone what to do, trying to articulate how to move your body or in a certain way um, has been a learning and growing experience. Um, but something that uh, I would want if someone was in my shoes, so that's kind of how I've been trying to approach this situation, this mentorship that I'm in. Um, and then beyond that, I mean, while I'm, it's also kind of tough because I got to, you know, my knee I got to take care of. So, I, I mean, I only pop out for the last 10 minutes. I'm in the Hudson Center just, you know, um, sipping a martini, 
you know, relaxing for the first hour and a half, and then I come out, pour some water on me, and then look like I did something. So that's how you rehab an ACL. Okay, got it. Understood. I've never done it. Never blown out my knee. So I broke my wrist once. Rigorous comeback. I had to wear a cast for like three weeks. It was brutal. Thought I was going to retire from athletics at the time I was I think, playing soccer in elementary school. I like. I don't know if that answer teaches us anything about the Packers, but it's very interesting. And I know it's it's a very common thing to say, like, hey, the best way to learn is to teach, right? Teach it to somebody else. So maybe David Bakhtiari discovering more about himself and the way he plays, but the challenge for him, as he said, is articulating something. Sometimes it's really difficult to have to explain something to someone when it's so second nature to you. Like if I'm trying to explain someone how to sit at this computer and use this mouse and this keyboard to play like sound effects. Like this is my favorite one. With this Wisconsin Sports yeah. Zone Network update, I'm Zach Heilprin. Or this one. Smoking pot. Yeah. Playing these things, like I do it every day. It's very easy. But if someone else were to come in here and I'd have to explain it, I'd be like, okay, well, what, really, let's backtrack here. What do I actually have to do? Because it's second nature to me. Okay, I got to turn up this little slider right here. I got to grab the mouse. I got to click it. I got to make sure it's turned on, blah, 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 all these things. It's good to have to explain to other people. It's a good way to learn about yourself. It's a good way to learn. Like if the best way to learn is to teach, teach it to somebody else. That way you have to verbalize it. You have to give a visual example. You have to, to speak it, whatever, right? You have to put it into words. I think that was interesting perspective from David Bakhtiari. I enjoyed listening to him. I don't enjoy listening to most press conferences. Jordan Love spoke with the media today. I didn't listen to most of it, and I certainly didn't save most of it, but I saved a moment or two. We're going to check that out in about 20 minutes. When we come back, I want to get back into the Brewers and into the Bucks because we got to calm down. We have to relax a little bit. Please, God, or we're all going to go insane. And I have a couple of examples with the Bucks and with the Brewers on where we just need to whew, take a little bit of a deep breath. Please, please, just relax. We'll also speak with Mike Clemens, his maiden voyage on the Wisco Sports Show. So please, we need to make a good impression. Everybody, best behavior, buttoned up, all fancy, nobody talking out of pocket. I'm talking to you, Dave from Monona, okay? Nobody gives Mike Clemens a bad impression. He's going to have a good time. He will join us at 535. Let's get back into the Brewers and Bucks after this. More of the Wisco Sports Show coming up in two minutes. But first, a zone update with Zach Heilbrink. It was hard, obviously. I think for all the rookies, we didn't really know what to expect. Just coming into an NFL season in general, you wouldn't know what to expect. And then having COVID on top of it and a lot of things changed, they were different than what they're usually like. So we didn't even get to really see what it's like to be a, just a normal year in the NFL. It's a, it's a grind. It, you know, you, you realize about halfway through the season that it's a lot longer than a college season. Just understand that this is our job. we got to come in every week. It's a new week. You know, you got to have a fresh mindset and uh, kind of hit that reset button, get ready for it. But yeah. Wisco Sports Show, Jordan Love speaking about how last year was a difficult year. Jordan Love's story is fascinating. Joining us now on the Talk and Text Line, that's Mike Clements. And Mike, I was just talking before we went to this last break. It's kind of crazy to me that Jordan Love or the, 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 like, the reverberations of Jordan Love being on the Packers, it's been the number one story in the NFL really for two years, and he's yet to play a game. And that's another fascinating wrinkle of last year. Like just what a time he's had to have for the last two years. The other thing, Grant, is I met the guy for the first time today. Really? See, I mean, from a distance. Yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, he gets he, he he gets drafted in the COVID year. Yeah. So, you know, he comes off the stage. He gets selected. We do a Zoom call. I think they gave him one time to us during training camp last year. 
And then for the rest of the season, it was Tim Boyle as the backup, and Jordan Love was inactive all those games last year, remember? Mm -hmm. He did a telephone interview, I want to say around the Super Bowl that was on CBS Sports Radio at night one time, and that's about it. I mean, by purpose, they've wanted him to fly under the radar, and then, of course, the Rodgers thing got to be a situation. But today was the first time we were actually in the room with Jordan. we got to wear you know, face masks and got tracers on. We're going to get tested for a coat again on, on Monday. But he's up on the stage, and the first two rows are empty. But at least we were in the room today with him. And it was, it was interesting to pick up on that part of what this guy's like. Because, you know, we were, we were talking to Lucas Patrick, the guard, and we've talked to some of these other players in the auditorium about, you know, how's this Jordan Love handling all this? And Rogers said to us yesterday that, you know, he knew that this thing was dragging out, and then once it broke over the draft that he might not be back in Green Bay, and he was in negotiations with the team, uh, Aaron Rodgers told us yesterday that uh, he kept in contact with Jordan Love during the offseason. I just felt like that's what I would want in that situation, just to hear from from the guy. And also, there's a, a love and an, a, an appreciation and a friendship there, just like it was with me and Brett. So I wanted to make sure I checked in with him and, and let him know I was thinking about him, and, and that was important for me. Yeah, uh, so we talked a couple times, you know, during the off season, a couple times for OTAs, and after I uh, we texted a little bit, but uh, I didn't want to ask too much about the situation. I know it's obviously. Is a, there's a lot going on, you know, in both of our worlds at that time, and you know, that's what everybody wanted to know is what's going on. So, you know, we kind of just left it at that, and um, you know, if anything was going on, he'd let me know. But um, yeah. Do you find it weird, Mike, that Rogers so many times has gone out of his way to be like, it's not about Jordan, it's not Jordan. I love Jordan. Jordan's a great kid, but and then he has all these things to complain about. It's like he's going out of his way to show that he doesn't dislike Jordan Love, which I can appreciate. Among all this drama, it seems like Rodgers has set the record straight between him and Love, at least. Yeah, and I, you know, I mean, Aaron makes calls. He makes overtures. It's not like he's having Jordan Love over to the house, okay? Mm-hmm. I mean, he he makes note. He checks. Aaron Rodgers checks off the boxes with guys, really. I mean, it's like today, Grant, is your day. And you and I are going to have lunch at the cafeteria, and I'm going to ask about your family and take interest in you. And then I may not talk to you for two months. Sure. You know, that's that's kind of the way the relationships are. Because I can go on and on about various stories where I hear Aaron Rodgers talk about, well, I did this with this guy, and I and I took this guy golfing. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, the rest of the story is that, yeah, there, there was that one time <laughs> that we got together. Because Aaron Rodgers, since he was in high school, He's been the guy who sat at the front of the class. Um, he was very competitive in class, straight A's, and he hung around with about three guys. They went to the school dances, but they didn't really mingle. Sure. And, you know, he went to sci-fi flicks, and he went to his favorite burger place. I've been to Chico. I spent a couple days there, talked to all his coaches. I talked to his coach at Butte College and how he got the the, the gig at Cal and all, and that's just the way he's been since he was in high school. So... The thing about Jordan Love is, well, he said that the way he found out was, like everybody else in this business, mm-hmm. either you see it on Twitter or your agent calls you five minutes before it hits. And Jordan Love says he was in transit on his way to Green Bay at the airport when his cell phone got a text and says Aaron Rodgers has decided to come in. You know, he's 
we you know we hear he's going to report tomorrow. That's how Jordan found out that 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 was going to be the situation. Now for me right now is so Jordan Love has to be the backup quarterback. Yeah. I mean if Aaron Rodgers goes down in the game against the Saints, he's got to go in there and try and finish the game. So the challenges that he's facing right now is, yeah, he got all those snaps in OTAs and minicamp. But, you know, Devontae Adams reported, but he didn't participate in the team for whatever reason. And I don't know if that was just because he wanted to be smart with some kind of an injury that he never really talked about. He sure. would do drills, but Devontae would not line up at 11-11. Or is that a contract thing? Is that a, you know, I'm going to wait and see what 12 does. Yeah. So so, so Love missed out on all those reps with, with Devontae Adams. Out there at practice, you know, he's out there with the second and third string guys. He's thrown to this Jawan Winfrey guy who's flashing in camp. But he's not getting a lot of reps with Devontae Adams. Yeah, I, saw, I saw him throw one to Randall Cobb today over the middle, so that was good. So I said to Jordan, you know, you watched him boil as the role of the backup last year. And those snaps that he gets with guys like Devontae, MVS, Randall Cobb, you got to get him now in camp, right? Oh, exactly, because, uh, yeah, obviously, you know, seeing last year you know, as a backup, you don't, during the season, you don't take, you know, reps on offense, so team reps. It's mostly just scout team reps, so you're not getting reps with those guys um, besides routes on air, things like that. So, you know, being able to be out there, take those one reps with the one receivers, one online, it's, it's huge, you know, builds that chemistry with those guys that you wouldn't be getting, so it's huge. So Jordan Love never suited up for a game last year, Mike. We're talking Mike Clements, our green and gold insider, Mike Clements NFL on Twitter. Last year he never suited up. And I think a lot of people wanted to make that into a huge talking point. Like, how could you draft this guy to, to tick off Aaron Rodgers and not get him help and he doesn't even suit up? Is it a huge difference last year, the role he was in last year, compared to this year? Now he's the second stringer. Now he's taking these reps. What kind of a difference is that? I know you just alluded to it, but from your perspective, what's the change from year one to year two then? And now he gets to take snaps in a family night. There was no sure. family night last year. Right. There was no preseason. So he's going to get the majority of the snaps in these preseason games. I doubt if Aaron Rodgers touches the field in those three preseason games, right? Yeah. And this is where we get the first chance to see him. But the other factor is this. How does this guy handle this situation? He was under the gun, under the spotlight, if you will, on hold, is Rodgers coming back? Am I actually going to be able to essentially take over this team and still essentially a rookie without having any NFL snaps? And the word around the building from guys like Lucas Patrick today, the starting right guard, or even David Bakhtiari the other day about, you know what, this kid is really calm and cool under pressure. And we asked Jordan about that. And listen to the, how this guy handled his first media press conference with, like, 30 or 40 people and Stacy from the NFL Network in the room today. Listen to this. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like that's just who I am. I'm a pretty calm person. I try and stay as calm as I can be. Um, and like I said, things happen. And, you know, whether I was going to be the starter going this season or I'm not, you know, I just I try and be the same dude every day, um, and not get worked up over those things and just try and prepare like I'm the starter. But those guys have helped me a lot. You said Lucas, um, Dave. I've, I've talked to them a lot this offseason. They helped me just, you know, understand my role and I got to stay calm. And whether I'm the guy or not, you know, I got to show up here and work and get better every day. So they helped me out a lot, though. Is Jordan Love difficult to interview in, in press conferences in this setting, Mike? Because it seems like he's so relaxed and straightforward. There's no pageantry with him. Like he's not just talking to talk. 
do, do you feel like you have to nudge him and kick him to give you information because he's just so normal and calm? Is that tough to get information out of him as an interviewer? Well, yesterday, Aaron was breaking down what's going on at wide receiver. Yeah. And it was so perfect. It's the best. And, I mean, he'd be the best analyst in the National Football League if he went into broadcasting after this. And I just said, thank God we don't have to go through a year of Blake Bortles, you know, who's <laughs> yeah. just not the sharpest knife in the drawer. <laughs> but, Jordan, what I wanted to point out there was, listen, look how cool and calm this guy is. He's different. They say he's a smart kid. They say he's quiet in the meetings, and he's just retaining and writing down the notes. Now you'll have to see how he reacts under pressure. So he's a different kind of cat, but he's his own guy. And that's what I I think is so far I'm impressed by. He's not phased by any of this stuff. He's just going to be his guy and take care of his goals and his business and then wait for when the opportunity comes. Yeah, it's... I think his role is perfect. His personality is perfect. And I was looking at Rob Domofsky's piece today, kind of comparing the three quarterbacks. Like, Rodgers is the long-winded one, talking about the state of the franchise, and Benkert is kind of the jokester, the fun guy. And I think Jordan Love's personality perfectly fits his role in his trajectory and where he is with the team right now, right? Like, your second-string young developing quarterback, I'd want him to almost be the calm, boring one, right? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And, you know, he understands. Also, to have enough smarts, or to listen to what LaFleur says to him one-on-one up in the coach's office, like, listen, just don't get messed up in this noise over Rodgers. Just come to me, any concerns you got, how you doing, anything I can help you with, or Luke Getze, the quarterback coach is in there, and just say, you know, let let Aaron handle the, the big spotlight, and your turn will come. But the other thing is, you know, people are very anxious. Well, is love going to be any good? Did they screw up? You know, this is a learning process. Aaron Rodgers, it took him a while to, to learn this position. Matt LaFleur this morning said, look, there's, there's so much more that Jordan Love needs to master as a quarterback in the National Football League. There's so many things that go into that position when you're talking about just the communication in the huddle, uh, the reminders that you might want to give a guy. Uh, the snap count, the command at the line of scrimmage, understanding what's going on. And then, by the way, you better understand the timing and your progression and the footwork, whether it's both in the run game and in the pass game. So there's there's so much that a young quarterback has to learn. And I think every opportunity he gets, whether it's, you know, in the meeting room or every rep, there's there's something to take from it. And then, you know, you've got a Hall of Famer in front of you that, does all those little things that nobody notices so well. Um, and he's he's been awesome just giving him insight on just the little things that, you know, help help make the whole operation smoother. It helps all other ten guys go out there and execute their job to the to the best of their ability. Mike Clemens, Bill Michael sports reporter, Wisconsin Sports on Network. Do you think Jordan Love is learning more from Rogers? than Rodgers learned from Favre? Like, if you were an up-and-coming quarterback, would you want to be behind Rodgers for a few years or Favre for a few years? Talk about that dynamic. There was a time, Grant, um, like 2009, Mm -hmm. and Bill and I were at the Super Bowl at Radio Row, and Michael Irvin, the former Cowboy, was doing his sports show live from the Super Bowl in the uh, Radio Row in the Media Center, and Aaron Rodgers was down there 
doing the radio stations. He came by us. He, he did about 20 stations. He was a year or two into being the starter. Mm-hmm. And Michael said, how was that when Brett left and he went to the Jets and then later the Vikings? Did you communicate with him at all? And Aaron got the quivering lower lip and broke down and started to shed a tear on the air. I, I wish I still had that audio. And the point was, is like, Roger's like, I carried your clipboard, man. I was there for you for three years and, and, and wanted to send you off in the right way. And then you and the team, you know, had that little, you know, breakdown. And after that, you wouldn't even talk to me, except, you know, when they were playing the Vikings and you came across the field and said a few words. But, you know, that, that hurt Roger's like, I thought we were friends. Why are you making this about me? And, you know, it's just a competitor getting into Aaron Rodgers' head. It's just Favre getting into Rodgers' head because Favre was going to come back for revenge and, and try and beat the Packers. So Rodgers, I think, I think this is where Rodgers is coming from. One sure. of the big things, and if he hasn't talked about it much now, he will later, maybe when he does some big sit-down interview, is that they lost to Tom Brady. And after a few weeks after that, I think this guy hit the wall mm-hmm. this spring. I think it's like, man, how much more do I need to give? I put up an MVP season. I did this. I did that. And this is getting to be frustrating. This is getting to be insanity. It keeps repeating over and over and over. Why can't I get this to the next? And I think he, I think he had a little bit of a mental. He's talked about mental well-being a couple of times. He talked about it last week. He talked about it on the phone about a month ago. And I think he's going to bring that up that maybe if this organization had done a better job of saying, how you doing? Are you okay? Yeah. Maybe they'd just gone out there and seen him and said, you know, don't, don't take this personally. You know, you're great. Hey, let's talk about an extension. You know, what, what, do you, what can we do to support you and make you feel like you can get back up on the horse and be confident and have a great 2021 season? But they didn't do that. They were cold. They didn't get, you know, respond to him right away. They, apparently he started asking about Randall Cobb in February. So Aaron Rodgers was asked, you know, you got family night coming up this Saturday night. It was canceled last year. So let's re- take you back to family night 2008 when the Favre saga is underway and Favre flies in and he's sitting up there with Mike McCarthy for six hours saying, Mike, take me back. Uh, one, one person in the team told me at one point Favre said, I need the money, which seemed ridiculous because yeah. he made $100 million then. But, you know, they were spending it left and right. And and that's when McCarthy, remember, he came back that spring and had said, look, that train has left the station. We've had to move on. Yeah. Aaron's going to be our quarterback. Aaron came out on family night. This is now he's going to be the, the quarterback. And they booed him at family night. And so we asked Aaron about that yesterday. Did that mess with your head back in 2008? Yeah, how can you not be changed by those experiences? I mean, that, that definitely shaped uh, the direction of my career. I think uh, both – uh, professionally and personally. And I think that was an important time of growth for me. And so I definitely hearkened back to that, uh, that summer at various times this year and thought about, uh, putting myself in his shoes. What's he got to be feeling? Uh, what are his emotions? How is this for him? And then I just reached out. To be quick, Mike, I, I don't think Packers fans will boo Jordan Love. I don't think any of that is going to happen again. Now, Packers fans might be upset about the Packers, about how this is handled, but I don't I don't know if the animosity towards the the heir apparent, I, I don't know that that's going to exist in the same way. I don't know if it's because we've learned from our mistakes or because it's 15, 16 years later and 
you know, just as a as sports fans, we're just different now. I don't see that repeating itself. I, I hope that to be the case. I see that our last cut here is because we got to be efficient. I, I see our last cut here is about Eric Stokes. And it's funny that you wanted to mention Eric Stokes because Jordan Love, the most talked about player that has never played, Eric Stokes might be the least talked about first round pick in Packers history. I swear. Lining up there at corner, doing better uh, the last couple of practices than he was last week because Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams were challenging the kid. They were tearing him up <laughs> with him. the 4-2 speed. And then on top of that, you know, Eric Stokes is a first-round pick out of Georgia, gets a nice signing bonus, buys his grandmother a house, gets his own place set up up here. And then Jair Alexander in the secondary room says, hey, man, hey, rookie, you need us to get us snacks. And you're buying us dinner Thursday night, by the way. And so he comes back with one bag of snacks, and, and Jair says, man, that ain't going to cut it. Where are your snacks? And, well, they're out in the truck. Go get them. So, so Eric Stokes talked about how he's had to get, like, a trunk load of snacks for the defensive secondary of the Green Bay Packers. I literally went to Target, <laughs> and I brought a lot of snacks. I know for a fact they'll be gone by Friday, so it's over with. What's on the menu? Like, what, what did you get at Target? Man, I got, like, candy, so, like, there's Snickers, Twix, Reese Cups, and then I have bought some, like, two different big packs of Skittles, like the little individual Skittles, and then I have brought four or five bags, so, like, Variety bags of chips. I had bought like two chips of hoys. I had bought some dum dums. God, it was a lot. I bought some <laughs> pistachios for Smash, because Smash love pistachio. That's weird. Uh, Smash love uh, pistachios. And then the room is filled with pretty much junk food. Did you just do the self checkout? Oh, I, I, I was not doing that self checkout. <laughs> I went straight to the. Uh, I went straight to like the regular checkout day after he was looking at it and he was like, So what is this for? Are you having a big party? I was like, nah man, I'm on Ricky Duty and all this stuff. <laughs> so he was like, Oh man, this is a lot of junk food for just one person. I was like, trust me, man. So do you have any money left after buying a house and all those snacks? <sighs> Sadly, I'm I'ma say no. I'ma say no. Like they Smart like man. they keep saying, like, oh man, where did your sign and bonus? What did I say, man? I love my money. I love to keep my money. I'm not trying to keep spending this amount on snacks every week. So <laughs> I'm trying to keep all I can. Mike, we got to take a break here in a minute or two, but I got to say that recollection ability with everything he bought, that's just impressive. Like Sean McVay, he can go through the whole game script. Eric Stokes. I like that. That's a good sign. Good memory. I think he's going to have to get a license for running a candy store that too. at the Packers facilities. <laughs> that too. Something, uh, something that probably Kirk Cousins couldn't do. Eric Stokes is meeting with everybody, giving him snacks. Meanwhile, Kirk Cousins is, is off by himself. That's funny. Good memory. Good recollection. That means he's a smart player, and, and hopefully he'll do well. Mike, look, I appreciate you coming on. I think we should make this a weekly thing or, or whatever. I like hearing you from uh, from camp and, and getting your reactions. And this is the fun show. I know Ebo's great. Bill is great. This is, this is you come here, you put your feet up, we have a good time. It's very relaxed. So I appreciate you coming on. Appreciate listening to your show, Grant. Thanks, pal. Yeah, Mike Clements in Green Bay. A little bit of a rush. I hate to just run out of an interview. we got to get this last break in. Mike's great. Follow him on Twitter at Mike Clemens NFL. No one can tell a story quite like Mike Clemens. I appreciate him. And I think we're going to do Thursdays or once a week or something like that. We already got Tuesdays for Gasper, maybe Thursdays with Clemens. It'll be, it'll be a good time. Talk to him next week. More Packers. Coming up, let's wrap up the show. React to what we just heard. That incredible recall ability of Eric Stokes. I'm still not over that. Appreciate you, Mike. We'll be back. Wrap up the show after this. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills. On the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network.